Hello, and thank you for tuning in to the Attack and Release Show. My name is Matt, and I am joined today by my good friend from Nashville, Sam Moses. Hello. Do we have a little bit of housekeeping? Housekeeping. I love housekeeping. If, <laughs> if uh, <laughs> every time you say this, I just go into this like uncontrollable. It's funny, you know. I just turn into this little character. I think of the last episode, like, you want your pillow fluffed? You want a fluffy pillow? Bad sheet. Turn down. This is literally the worst thing to do before you ask people to go review your podcast. I'm sorry. So I don't even know what accent I'm doing. I'm just doing like a high-pitched guy. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> uh, if you've been around for a while, if you wouldn't mind going over to wherever you're listening to this and leave us a review, some comments, some likes, some stars, that would be absolutely great. It's taken us about four years to get into this mode of asking without begging <laughs> people to do this. So that thus ends housekeeping. So today, as you probably read in the episode title, we are talking on pet peeves, which I've never spelled before. Mm-mm. And I don't think Sam had either. No. And so we had to look up the proper way to spell it. I didn't know if it was P-E-P or P-E-T. It is P-E-T. Pet, Pet peeves. There will be a lot of uh, plosives <laughs> that will have to be <laughs> worked out in this episode and post. Love so, it. So, post. Pet peeves. Anyway, plosives. <laughs> if you can, if you can just get that P out of there, then I think you'll be you'll be pretty good for the whole Easily episode. done. Easily done. A- easily done. So, Sam, we're just gonna hop right into this one, like a bunny, and. I'm going to tee you up about what is your biggest pet peeve in mastering and why is it bass? Wow. Why is it bass? Is that what you Why said? is it bass? <laughs> you said I would. <laughs> That's going to be your number one. Yeah. So I'm just saying, what's your biggest pet peeve in mastering out. and why is it bass? why is it bass? Well, 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 don't you know me well. <clears throat> okay. So, yes. So, bass. Uh, bass is something I harp on all the time, mainly because I'm such a lover of bass and low end, but for a number of reasons that uh, most people, the f- thing I have to adjust the most, the pet peeve, is bass. You either have too much or not enough, and people continually work in rooms where they use monitors or speakers that don't extend to the sub-range. Or they work in a room that is so poorly set up that the low end is just a hot mess. And I understand this because I used to work in a laundry room in my parents' basement and I had very uh, cheap, I mean, I started on Logitech surround sound, which at least had a sub now that I'm thinking about it. But at least you had 5.1. <laughs> at least I had 5.1. I don't even have 5.1. <laughs> and um, I understand, you know, we're all on a, a musical journey, but if you really want, to excel in the audio world, you have to get your low end right and you have to also be able to hear it. I wish someone would have punched me in the face a long time ago and said, get your low end right so you can actually hear because low end takes up the most dB, the most voltage in your mix and we all work with a finite amount of headroom everyone has the same limitation and low end takes up the most of it and so a lot of people always wonder 
how do I get my mixes, you know, loud or feeling nice and full or they always sound boomy or they're muddy or they're thin. And that is the most common thing when people come to me. They bring me the problem or they're just like, I don't know if this is good or the low end sounds overblown. And it's a pet peeve of mine because the solution is actually available to almost everyone. Like for a few thousand dollars, and if you're going to do this as a career, a few thousand dollars to spend into your company is a blip as far as like a startup cost more mm-hmm. or like startup costs. Like if you're in a restaurant, like you'll spend $3,000 on like, I don't know, napkins or like menus. <laughs> like, <laughs> I thought about like if you're like going to a restaurant, I was like, what am I going to spend three grand on? A nice bottle of wine from 1986. A, probably. Better be older than that. <laughs> I don't know. If it's two years older than me, <laughs> man, better be, better be older than that. Keep going. But um, yes. And better be, you know, the color and look and taste of scotch mm-hmm. at that point. I don't know if there's a wine like that outside of one aged in bourbon barrels. That's an imitator of scotch. But, um, but oh, um, I guarantee you there's wines that are. Yeah, someone's done that. It's like a hybrid super dog. Crazy. It's like my mini golden doodle. <laughs> Someone figured it out. Um, but yeah, low end, number one pet peeve. And, uh, you know, most mixers are unsure of their low end. Uh, the ones I talk to are rarely confident in their low end. Uh, most of the things I do to people's songs is adjust the low end because it will immediately determine the potential of the song, how loud it could get, mm-hmm. how balanced it can be, get, how the compressors will work, um, limiters, et cetera, et cetera, with those things. But yeah, that's my my number one pet peeve. It's not that I I love adjusting it and getting it right for people, and it's always a fun moment when they say like, wow, this is so punchy. And how did you do the, get the low end feeling so great? And it's like, I just heard it. Like I heard it and it was needed changed. Like that's how I did it. And it's almost as simple as that. And I wish people would just like 2021, my dear friends, get yourself, you owe it to yourself, like respect yourself and give yourself a chance to actually make the records you want to make with confidence and hear the whole sonic spectrum. It's it's amazing when you finally are in a room that at least has a loan extension and then if you can control it on some level, you know, it's just a beautiful thing and it feels like your hands have finally been untied. Like I feel like before I like heard low in properly and was in a proper room that could actually like control it and stop decay time and all that of bottom and sub like I always felt like my hands were tied or I was blindfolded and I was never really truly confident in the work I was doing and that's a terrible place to operate so my pet peeve lies in the fact that people continually to ignore something that is so foundational and important to the potential of your song so that's my pet peeve I'm gonna stop there (laughs) Well, like you, yeah. how I teed you up, <laughs> my number one pet peeve is also low end. Ah. <laughs> and uh, specifically, like you were saying, it's uh, when you're unable to monitor uh, pretty darn low and you're making information and like sonic information that 
goes down pretty darn low. I need a drink of water. I apologize. Terrible timing. <laughs> um, it's just it's just really no bueno because you're gonna have to like really turn up your speakers speakers to hear like that low end that you're making, and you're probably not hearing the low end you're making. You're hearing like the distortion of that low end, right. or you're hearing like the harmonics of like that low end that's being made. So you're not really actually hearing it. Or you're hearing like your room kind of make a rumble that's kind of like it. Exactly. But it's not actually it. And so um, you're kind of weird like if you have someone who like comes in for an attended session or something. And Sam and I were talking about this earlier and how we really don't do any of that. But if you do and someone comes in and they say, oh, man, that's like that's really crazy down there. It's like, well, yeah. <laughs> Did you not hear it? You put it there. <laughs> right. So I, I don't say that. I'm not... An, I'm not an ass. <laughs> um, but yeah, as, as, as far as low end goes, I mean, if you're wondering why, why your song can't really go loud and why is, why is the, why is, how come when I push it louder, the, the low end information just kind of like vanishes away? It's like, well, it's vanishing away into uh, the output of your limiter and it's eating that low end first because it, that has and retains the most kinetic energy. And so that's what's just naturally gonna like get eaten up by that by that limiter. And luckily, there are some limiters that will eat up other things before it eats up the low end, and you can tell it to to do that. <clears throat> but I mean, all in all, conventional limiter—that's kind of what you're gonna get um, as you hit analog gear. It's just gonna drive everything that much harder, and you can have a vocal that's hanging out around like minus fourteen, and you're gonna have like bass or sub bass or whatever it is that's going to be hanging out like minus seven minus six and you're going to wonder why your song doesn't sound as loud as your reference Mm -hmm. even though your song's metering is loud as that reference it's like well like the parts of the song that matter are not that loud that's if you actually want to do this and so it's i mean that's a that's a whole nother podcast right so getting proper low-end balance is super imperative. So if you can't afford it and if your room can't afford it and if you can treat for it properly, highly recommend uh, investing in a subwoofer or at least low or at least speakers that can reproduce the low end. Right. And I think like like y'all's barefoots, they go down pretty low. I think those uh, those PMCs like the IBs and the two two mm-hmm. whatevers those go down pretty low to where it's like a sub is a little questionable if it's necessary. Right. Um, I always, however, recommend a sub. Um, the sub that I have, I don't think it's made anymore. It's made by a, com- oh, uh, a company called Velodyne that has since switched to making like autonomous vehicle cameras and monitoring systems and stuff. But uh, it has onboard software to where you can EQ the sub to the room. You can set a, a crossover for, through your speakers and you essentially can... Uh, equalize the subwoofer to the room to where it is pretty darn flat. Yeah, it's sweet. Uh, to the thing, so yeah, that's definitely something you take a peek at every few months. And it's like, oh, I put a chair back there. I wonder why things are sounding a little different. <laughs> so, um, very, very important. So, Sam, what would you say is your number two? Number two. All right, pet peeve. It's the uh can you make it louder and within that the pet peeve isn't in the loudness the pet peeve is in the misunderstanding of what loudness mindset 
in compression to me in mindset of what they're what you're asking for. Mm-hmm. So if you want something louder overall, once again, we all have a finite zero zero essentially is where everybody stops outside of you get you know true peak on like digital platforms where you're actually over zero zero, thus distortion. But um, people that ask for things louder don't understand that often what they're asking for is more <coughs> compression and limiting because that's how we get things louder. So that means everything else gets more loud more often. Or sometimes they'll say, keep it as loud as it is, as it is but make it more dynamic. And that is kind of doesn't make any sense because we can peak the same loudness, but we cannot keep everything once again the same loud, you know, the average loudness. If I back off compression and limiting, things throughout the song will peak the same, but they're going to be less loud more often now. And so that changes mm. the whole vibe and the whole sound and feel, which sometimes is the solution. But I am always amazed at people not understanding the difference, not understanding what compression does, which more loud, more often. I'm going to beat that into everybody's head, 2021. That's what compression is doing. Compression is not increasing your actual output ceiling. It is just making everything else more loud, more often. More balanced, more average loudness is what compression does overall. And there is a big difference between that and the actual output of zero, zero, or negative 0.2, whatever you want your ceiling to be for final output. But that is probably my my number two pet peeve is the misunderstanding of when someone says, can you make it louder? They do not know what they're asking. They just want it to be... They think what's happening most of the time is that the track is legitimately like going louder as far as output ceiling, you know, but it, that's not happening. It's just everything else is being brought up louder. Mm. So your ears perceive things more loud more often, which makes us go, this must be louder now overall. But nothing has changed mm. overall. It just, everything's still yeah. slammed into zero, zero. It's just more loud more often. So that's probably my, my number two pet peeve. And it's a big deal because if you do not understand that, then I I'm automatically begin to think, you know, how did you approach your mixes then? Like, how did you get things loud in your mix? How did you determine compression or gain staging within your mix and mix bus? And because those to me are foundational things of understanding compression and what it does, output ceiling, and understanding how we actually get things loud, even from the, the sourcing stage, you know. And that is probably my number two pet peeve, which is, can you make it louder? Yes, of course I can, but do you even know what you're asking for? You know, mm. and most of the time it's no, they don't. And most of the time people don't care. You know, I've tried to explain to people before and it they don't care. Like, but they should care. Like mixers should care, engineers should care because all of that, everything when you say you don't care about that, that is one of the main reasons why your record doesn't have the potential to sound like a really great commercial record. Mm-hmm. It's because you're neglecting to learn and educate and possibly have something you need to change, which that for me, I understand like the ego pride thing of nobody wants to be caught, you know, with their pants down essentially and be like, yeah, I don't know what compression is. Or yeah. <laughs> Hello. Yeah. Like I don't, but that's part of the journey of like, there's so many times where I've had to just tell people like, I don't know what a ratio is. 
like, and that's fine. It's totally fine to not know things, but the worst thing to do to yourself, once again, respect yourself. That's this, my, sub, my uh, subtitle for this episode. <laughs> respect yourself and educate yourself because you're going to make better records by learning. So that's my number two pet peeve. Matt, what's your number two? <clears throat> my number two is audible clicks and pops. Ooh, very good. I and it's it's it, it there's no like past number one. There's no real reason why it's my number two, three, four. It just this has just come up a lot, probably. Right. I've just had a lot of this since the end of summer. And at first, I like this year, I've just or not this year, 2020, I just spent a bunch of time just demoing uh converters. And as soon as I put in this converter, well, you can get weird jitter mm-hmm. and whatnot, and which can result in clicks and pops and things like that. And I thought it was this converter the whole time. And I just had a really terrible, like a lot of mixes on this one <laughs> on this one record. And then it's like the next record I got in were just tons of clicks and pops and the next one is like and it was like a solid month and a half and so i'm like i sold that converter and i was like man this thing is a piece of trash i can't get it to clock i can't get it to do anything oh i'm trying to use it as a master clock and then i was using it as a slave and then i was like what is going on and then i was just like i go back like forever ago and i go and i look at the original mixes and I listened to him in the exact spot, which I should have done in the beginning, but I was too far down the road to do that, and I just had a kid and all this stuff, and I just never did it. And so I was like, oh, well, that crap's been here since the beginning. So uh, for that reason, that is my number two pet peeve. And it's so easy to fix. And it's like, whether you do it in your DAW, whether you get RX, whether you, I mean, however you want to do it, but... um yeah, I thought I thought my stuff was ruined. <laughs> I thought that my gear was like putting a lot of that those clicks and pops in and was like, no, that's uh that was not that. So it's now something like when I go and I listen through things, I'm actually listening through uh mixes in RX. And if I just hear or see one, I'm just like boop, okay. Little like yeah, little uh Alakazam and then, Voila! So uh, it's it just it just it just kind of sucks, and then like it makes if you don't catch it before the print, you ca- like depending on the like amplitude of things and whatnot, you kind of risk uh, doing more damage than just that click or pop was doing, because now you have like stupid loud music now playing through this thing, and it's like depending on like release times of things or whatnot. It's like, is a compressor going to hold on to that thing that just flinged your like, gain reduction like way up or something? Like, or maybe it never even caught it. But it's like, say you're like on a high-frequency limiter or something, and it's like you have a click or a pop, and this thing's now turning this down. Well, what else is it turning down because this pop was here? Right. So it's like, that's kind of why... <laughs> Can you tell it's been a it was it was an interesting time around I don't know it was literally a probably like two month thing until like because it was like more than just one session it was several sessions and I was like now a touch flustered <laughs> so anywho 
That is my number two. Great. What say you, Sam? Number three. Before yeah. I get to number three. Do you ever get any nasty clicks or pops? I do. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. How do you deal with them? I usually either RX them myself or I just let I actually them... didn't know you had RX. Yeah, I do. I sure do. Oh. Yeah. Get uh, fancy. Real version, not cracked. Um, get this. <laughs> you want a little you want a pet peeve? Yeah. And it's like I don't want to start out 2021 being like, this is what pisses me off. <laughs> so I buy RX7. Yeah. And it's great. I absolutely love it. And then and but it's like I bought the legit real one. I it was like twelve hundred dollars. Right. Yeah. Like a lot of F and Mucho. Mm-hmm. And then I uh this is like the day before Valentine's Day. <laughs> And it's like, Matt, you should have known better. It's like, no, I shouldn't have known better. Because who runs a sale on Valentine's Day? Nobody. Right. Nobody runs a sale on Valentine's Day. Unless, like, you're Victoria's Secret. That's who's running a sale on Valentine's Day. Like, flowers.com is running a sale on Valentine's Day. Like, hey, you forgot to buy your girlfriend this bear and chocolates. Valentine's Day sale. <laughs> nope. Isotope decides to run a 30% off sale, which they have never done in the whole history of Isotope, Mm -hmm. on RX and like the advanced version. And I could have saved, it was like three or $400. Yep. I could have saved. Sucks. Nobody runs a Valentine's sale. Sucks to suck. It does (laughs) suck to suck. Didn't we say that this episode's going to air right around Valentine's Valentine's Day? Day? I think right after. What is it? 13th first one, 27th. I think it was like 17th. No, this episode might get pushed. Oh. This episode might air, if it airs when I th- in order, it'll air on the 10th. Yeah. Um, so yeah, right before. So if you are listening to this between now and whenever the heck Valentine's Day is, do not, and I repeat, do not buy a plug-in. Sam, what's your number three? Number three. I also, I need to give a disclaimer that, uh, for everyone listening, pet peeves are. Uh, I don't want this episode to be too mean to people because I just I'm gracious to people, and I want them to be gracious to us. So I just want to make sure I say that before we move to number three here. <laughs> number, oh, is number three, just like a battle axe. No, well, I don't know. Number three is, hey. I read that my song is going to be penalized on Spotify. Oh, goodness. This one. And that we need to make this master actually be mastered at negative 14 LUFS because we're going to get penalized. And here's this website where you can upload your thing and you can see what it's going to do to it. And so we need to do that. This is too loud or this is too quiet. (laughs) The amount of times I have gotten this question is asinine. <laughs> it's too often. And I understand, let's let's get this out of the way. I understand people want to have loud records. They want to compete. That's great. We do that. I know how to do that. I've done that. I compete. Um, we make loud masters. It's great. But that is not how Spotify works or any platform like Spotify for the freaking record as of today is switching over to Luffs and it says right now that replay gain is still being used 
and the negative gain is applied to louder masters, so the loudness level is at negative 14 dB LUFS. Positive gain is applied to soft masters, so that it's negative 14 dB LUFS with a limiter. With an attack time of 5 milliseconds, which is way too fast, and a decay time of 100 milliseconds, which isn't slow enough in my opinion. So, from what I just read, that is the playback level. And from what I just read, whether your song is louder or quieter, I said the same number. It gets played back at negative 14 dB LUFS. Also, please note, and nobody believes this, even if I send them the Spotify page, quoting from Spotify's page. And I'm using Spotify because everybody talks about Spotify. No one cares about mm. the title. Note, the web player, <laughs> Spotify apps integrated into third-party devices, TVs, speakers, don't use loudness normalization. Enjoy your quiet masters. So, this is why we master things and take them as far as they can go and what best serves the song. And currently, for most releases, that is very loud, way beyond negative 14 dB LUFS. Also, LUFS is not a measurement of dynamic range. has nothing to do with dynamic range. Dynamic range compression impacts your LUFS number. But LUFS does not determine if a song is dynamic or not. Negative 14 LUFS could be a smash song brought down or a dynamic song brought up, just like I read. That's what normalization does. If you are below their range, if you're deciding to believe that there is a penalty and you want to be below it or try to be right on it in hopes that your song will play back louder than Justin Bieber or Travis Scott, which once again, you're just like playing yourself because you're trying to still make the loudest song by making a dynamic song because that's how you think about Luffs, which is once again, Luffs is a dynamic range. You're going to have a auto limiter put on from Spotify with a super fast attack, which fast attacks with limiters usually cause distortion. Hmm. So enjoy that, especially for dynamic transient material. I don't know why they have such fast attack time, but they do. And they claim this will prevent any distortion. And I'm saying bull crap. <laughs> like, enjoy your transients just being ripped apart by a fast attack. So. <laughs> That is my number three pet peeve. It's such a pet peeve because it's making people make records in a way they don't want to make it. They're just mm -hmm. scared that they won't play back correctly or they're not following the rules. And I understand it's the good intention. I understand it. But the amount of people who focus so heavily on, we've got to have it hit this number or... They say, why does my song sound slightly quieter or even louder? I've had people say, my song sounds louder on this playlist and now it's out of place. It's like, well, you wanted it loud. Like, <laughs> damned if you do, damned if you don't. <laughs> that is my pet peeve number three. So my solution Damn, to Damn, this should have been number one. <laughs> maybe, is make the music you want. Make it loud, most likely. More compressed, more loud, more often, because that's what modern records are. Every record people send me is always loud outside of like Chris Stapleton or like a random song that happened to be dynamic and got famous. But for the most part, everything is very loud, and that's great, and very compressed. And 
just let normalization do its thing because Spotify changes their algorithm every six months. They're about to change it again and officially, supposedly, move 100% to lefts. And so people that have been following the penalty and following making quieter, more dynamic masters to hit negative 14 LUFS, you're going to have real quiet masters because LUFS, actual LUFS and not replay gain favors loud compression music. So I tried to tell everybody, and most people believe me, but there's some people out there I've worked with who demanded that, uploaded it, A, it was still quiet, but B, it's about to be even more quiet or it's going to get clipped by this auto limiter with a five millisecond Mm -hmm. attack. So make the music you want. Be proud of it. Know that it's going to sound different than the next person's music. That's great. Know that normalization's whole goal is to make it play back in a very balanced within, you know, essentially one luffs, (laughs) you know, which is a very close thing for something to be within all music on that's ever made sounds within a, a DB of luffs. That's pretty amazing. And uh, I wouldn't worry too much about that. I would just make the art you want. Stop believing in people that fear and shame you because it's just getting in your head and making you question how you want to make music. And that's a bad place to create from. So that's my number three. Woo! <laughs> Do you need to like take a breath? Like you want like a I'm gonna go do my ten minute meditation on acceptance. (laughs) You definitely don't need to like work out or something after that. So I'm I'm passionate about it because it's making people make records they don't want to make, and that frustrates me. So do you get this a lot? Yeah, I seriously like this loudness penalty thing. I maybe get like I've had like my whole career. I've had like three or four people ask me, and one person was really freaked out. I mean, I think it has to do with the genre. Because that's what the person I, who made that does, is they freak people out. Yeah. The genre and they say it's going to be a penalty. I work in, and then the sheer quantity of probably clients, I, I do more compared to... I mean, yeah, I mean, the genres I work in are just so heavily focused on loudness. And the genres you work in, I think, care about that, but it's not like a make or break... No. So, anyway. Yeah, (laughs) I definitely don't think the people who I'm doing stuff for is, I don't think it's necessarily like a make or break, but it's like, yeah, it's like, let's get it up there. Right. Um, I I, I don't want to say this disrespectfully to anybody. Um, How do I say this? Uh, I I don't know if the people who I work with really care or really I would say ah damn it how do I even say this (laughs) Biggie's gonna help Biggie use your words Biggie said say it like this Matt yeah I feel like people who you're mastering for to a degree go you view mastering as a little bit of like a self-destructive type of thing and that they don't mind destroying what they've made for the sake of loudness. Correct. Yeah, that's probably and, a fine assumption. Yeah, and I think that's the nicest way I thought of it saying it. Whereas I get pushback if we get too loud and we start losing some things, which I've figured out ways to retain what people believe are uh, dynamics. Yeah. 
and kind of get away with a little bit louder, but um, I'm not pushing anything necessarily to oblivion. It's like I turned in a master today where it's like the, let's call it like the mean RMS was like minus seven. And I was just like mentally this morning when I was like working on it, I was just like, you know, I really don't see a reason for this to go any louder. Like I'll turn it in. If they want it louder, they can have it louder, but I don't see a reason to push it. And I turned it in and I was like, if I, if they ask me, I'll put it louder. And it's like, I have like a note on if we want to go louder in the future, this is how I recommend doing it per Matt in that situation. And uh, no, they they approved it, I think, within like two hours of me sending it. So um, yeah, I, I, I think that there's a, there's a few different, like you said, a few different realms. Yeah. I feel like everything that's my pet peeve is like so... Secondary to like how big your pet peeves are, because I look at my next one and I'm just like, it's nothing really that like crippling. It is to me, it's crippling as a mastering engineer, just because I don't like it. Right. But it's nothing like, I don't know, taking a shit on Daniel Eck bad. Just like, <laughs> just like I don't like Spotify either. But and also like people need to realize that like Spotify doesn't care about you. Right. Spotify only cares about Spotify, and Spotify is only going to serve Spotify as long as it serves Spotify. Right. If you think Spotify cares about like artist Joe Blow featuring artist Joe Blow, it's like you got another thing coming, man. They don't care about you at all. All they care about is they care about the that that's either one subscriptions or two selling ads or right. three getting more Joe Rogans on their right. platform. They don't care about you. No. Um. So when they say that they're going to do stuff with like the fastest attack times and whatnot, they don't care about how your music sounds. Right. They care about how their algorithm and encoding handles your music. Right. And well, it's just easier your for music's, them to chop. Your music chop is up. just yeah. Your music is just a byproduct of that. Yeah. So I'm very much looking forward to the world after Spotify, <laughs> but. I don't know. We may have long to go. We may not have long to go. So yeah. we'll uh, we'll definitely have to see. I mean, it's like shoot. No one thought that like Walmart would be taking a backseat to anyone. And then here comes Amazon. It's true. So it's like you never know. It's like all these big guys like hopping off their pedestals. So I don't know. Who am I to know anything? <laughs> so my number three, yes. which is completely irrelevant. Uh, compared to like how much of a bomb that you just dropped was, is I really dislike when you have like a gorgeous song, or maybe even a not so gorgeous song, and then you have like the end of the song and it's a fade out or it's not a fade out or just whatever, and it's like not even to like a tasteful part of the fade out. It just like it just shuts off. <laughs> and it's like, damn, <laughs> I got to redo this whole thing. Right. <laughs> it's like, I'm going to have to like butcher this whole fade out and then I'm going to get a recall note saying, hey, you made the fade out like shorter. It's like, right. yeah, because you literally stopped it. So that's literally, that's literally my number three is just continue your fade out. Just let me do it. That would be sustained. And, and if you have a, and if you have a certain point on where you want it to stop, just let me know. Yeah. So I literally have nothing like, <laughs> like, like you just dropped. So that, it, it, I don't. Yeah, my ammo belt is empty with that. So, wow. What's your four? I don't know if 
I don't know if I really have a four. I don't really know if I want to say my four, but you go I ahead have with four. your four. Four. How many do you have? <laughs> Enough. Because <laughs> we got to wrap soon. <laughs> I know. Number four. I'll just keep going here on my list. Uh, pet peeve number four. Fixing things that should have been fixed at the production or mix stage in general. One of my biggest pet peeves is when people ask me to fix the drums, fix guitar tones, tell me I changed the hi-hat panning, tell me the all of those things. Things that, hey, can you make the vocal louder? Hey, it sounds like the BGVs are now quieter. Hey, the drums are now... Uh, whatever. All of those things... Did you make the tambourine louder? Yes, you made the tambourine yeah. louder uh, and you pushed the vocals back, which all those things, there is some possibility that you know we can do quite a bit at the mastering stage. But a lot of what I've noticed over the last seven years specifically, being in Nashville, working on mastering consistently every every single day, is people hear things so differently once they get the master back. And I think it's because it's probably the first time they've let themselves actually rest from the mix stage. Yeah. Because people beat the hell out of the mix stage. Like, <laughs> they just pound that song into their head, listen to it a hundred different ways, and then they hate it. And then they send it to me for mastering, or they love it. But it's usually the first time for most clients, because I've talked to them about the process, when we get to mastering, it's one of the first times they've actually taken a day or two or three or a weekend to actually not listen to the song anymore. Mm. And then they hear it mastered, which mastering does change things, and that's fine. You know, we finish it off and enhance it or do whatever it needs to be release ready. But they'll mention things, people mention things like, hey, this is you know different than the mix. And they'll say, go listen to the mix. They'll go listen to the mix and go, oh my gosh, that's exactly how it is in the mix. And I think that's, you know, I'm not sure what the solution is outside of perspective. And I think the solution is like, if you're at the mix stage and you like finalize a mix, like just take a day off and then listen to it like one more time and make sure it's what you want. Because when we're at the mastering stage, you know, the last thing I want to do is like recall a new mix and for someone to go back into their mix and bug the mixer again. Cause I know my mixers, they're like, oh my gosh, they want me to change the tambourine again. Like, <laughs> thought we were done with this song. So that's probably one of the biggest things is people ask me to fix mix things or even production things or they don't like the sound of the kick drum, but come to find out they never like the sound of the kick drum. So, Make sure you are vocal, if you're listening to this, whatever stage you're at, the writer, the producer, whoever, make sure you make all your concerns known very early on. And if you work with someone who shuts you down and basically tells you, no, it's not important what you're talking about, then you need to go work with somebody else. Because your concerns are valid, usually. Maybe you're not great at communicating them, but they're probably valid concerns. And if you don't like something at the production stage, you're going to definitely not like it at the mix stage and the mastering stage you're going to hate it and it's going to be a source of frustration and bitterness and you're not going to like your song and then when it comes out you're not going to promote it like you like you would if you're really proud of it and then people don't play it because you're not proud of it so it's chain reaction mm. so make sure you get it right in the mix if your mixer ever says like oh mastering will take care of that outside of like final volume 
Fire um, that dude. Fire that mixer. If you're with a producer who's like, oh, the mixer will fix that kick drum sound that sounds awful, he'll make it really fat and replace it, fire that producer. It's, we are, you are in a beautiful, we're in a beautiful place where you can find great people who care about your music via the internet. Uh, if you're in a music city like Nashville, there are plenty of great people. And if you are listening to this and you don't know a good producer, a good engineer, a good mixer, good mastering engineer, DM me. Like I can connect you with five different probably budget options who are all really good at what they do and will care and serve your music. So come hit me up if you're frustrated with your current team. I'll connect you with a dream team, 96 Bulls. (laughs) So that's my pet peeve number four. You want me to make this the last pet peeve? Sure. Okay, because we're like a few minutes from things. Great. Um, last pet peeve. My last pet peeve, pet peeve four. I'm even debating on not saying, but... Uh, and it doesn't even happen that often, but when it does, it's like annoying enough to be like, <laughs> that Sam and I complain to each other when it happens. <laughs> It's when like we get a revision and then someone like legitimately tries to guess what you're doing. Oh yeah. And then tells you to stop doing that. Yes. Uh like I, I don't even want to talk about this because it's <laughs> yeah, it's every every master engineer knows what this is. When right. like somebody comes back to you and says there's too much compression, it's like, Well, I didn't use a compressor, so you're hearing your compression just louder. Right. So <clears throat> it's like, yeah, like when that part does come in after the bridge, and it's a really big part, and you feel like the vocal or even like a lot of the mix gets pulled down, and you think it's the master, but the master <laughs> didn't use any compression. Um, yeah, or it's like, hey, there's too much. Like, uh, like they they hear us like talking about something on here. It's like, hey, there's too much. Like, I don't know, one k that you're using on this, or somebody saying. I can't wait to hear what X piece of gear did on this. Or yeah, I can really hear I can really hear this piece of gear. Right. Like on it. It's like, well, I actually didn't use that. Right. <laughs> and it's like, I don't really know what to do at that point. And I normally just don't tell them. And I was like, yeah, man, it was, it was pretty good. <laughs> just because it's like, if you're thinking it's doing a great job, I'm just right. gonna kinda like Keep it let moving. you hang there. Right. Yeah. It's like there's no point in like, oh well, can you run it with this? It's like, no, because there's probably a reason why I didn't run it with that. Right. And then they're going to pick the one with it on it because it's on it. And yeah, there's there's no point. Right. So I think I think that's my last one is uh it I don't know, or uh someone thinking yeah, thinking like you're doing something that you're not, and it's like they're hearing something that sounds a little bit different or like something thwacks a little differently, and it's like, well, Overall, it's not really my job to reshape how your kick sounds. Yeah. So there's a good chance that I'm not doing that. Now, just because, now, there might be, because that's going to be the first thing that hits a limiter. So this might be a bad, this might be a bad example. Because, like, your kick, your kick might change a little bit. It's going to hit a converter, it's going to hit a limiter, and it's going to hit everything first, for the most part. Um, but it's like, overall, it's like, mastering really just, like, in at least should and normally does improves things by around one letter grade. Yeah. So if you give us a C, you're probably going to get a B. But 
if it's like a C that's like super workable and malleable, then we might be able to get like an A minus out of it. Yeah. Um, an A plus would kind of be like like a dream, and it's like we always shoot for like the A plus, but you know sometimes. Um, it's like, don't get me wrong. It's like if you get like a C mix, not like I'm rating anything that comes in, and it come and like I'm always going to shoot for the A, and anything that comes out of here, I'm always going to say that yeah, it's like this is like the A plus of what this can do, even though it's like C to B kind of thing. So I can't remember who said that, but I think it was, I think it was Bob Ludwig or something or Bob Katz. But in general, um, mastering is only going to improve something by one letter grade. And the only reason why it may seem like it's a little bit more. Is because there's a considerable considerable volume change yeah. when you master something. So, besides that, oh, do you wanna do you have anything with that? Or I think you get that a lot too because you and I actually talk about this a lot. Yeah, I get that sometimes for sure. I don't think I have much more to add to it, but yes, it's uh-huh. something I get, and yes, it is a pet peeve. Well, nice. <laughs> okay then. I'd say those are those are only my only pet peeves. So. I mean, did I, you have anything like super notable on your list that you wanted? You said you had enough. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I have more I could talk about, but I mean, those are like the main ones. The I mean, there is one other one that I think would be helpful just for like mixers, which would be depending on how we talk about this, like pet peeves or how to fix your mix idea. Is like I want my mixers to be more confident in their mixing. And I want them to commit to their mix. And I think there's a big difference between asking like a master engineer for their f- for feedback on your mix in case they hear anything different. But at the same time, as a mixer, your job is similar to a master engineer, which is your job is to call the mix done yourself. Like the client has hired you to 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 mix the song and call the mix done to then be to hand it off to mastering. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of my mixers out there, which I understand. Love you, mixers. You are great. But you need to be more confident in your mixes and know how to call a mix done and not depend on you know, taking my opinion, which is heavily biased if I was mixing the song. Like I want the mix to be your mix. I don't want it to be Sam's opinion on how a mix should sound. Outside of, of course, like glaring issues, but I get a lot of mixers who want me to give like mix critique and get into like where's the kick drum placed or the snare and like the arrangement. And these are things that to me, as a mastering engineer, like we've gotten into the weeds. Like feedback from a master engineer, if you send me a mix to me, is more of like, is there anything here that's alarming that will hinder us? And of course, you could say, well, you know, what if the kick drum sounds like trash? But for me, for most people, I always ask them, like, what do you think about it? And then they either say, well, I love it, and the client loves it. So then I say, well, great. Like, what's the vision you know, for it? So I know, and I'm included. Or they say, like, well, I think the guitars are this you know, washy, or like the vocal just feels like it's too far back, and blah, blah. Then at that stage, I'm like, well, then change that. Like, <laughs> if you think it is, you're probably right. And I want my mixers, like, trust yourself more. Like, you guys and gals are excellent at mixing. You're really good, most of you. Like, and if you're not, you're probably just inexperienced and you just started and that's fine. You'll get great if you keep going. But I would, one of my pet peeves, and it's more of a, a, once again, you owe it to yourself to respect your mix and to trust your gut and be able to 
call your own mixes done and ready to go to the next stage. And part of that's mixer and then the client interaction, your actual client. And that's part of this thing is like the at the mix stage, like the artist is approving the mix, not me approving the mix. You want the artist's approval. Like you need to be having the conversation with the artist or whoever's paying the bill essentially and have their opinion kind of trump my opinion because I'm the mastering guy. Like I'm not the mixer. So I want my mixers to be more confident. Most of y'all are freaking awesome. Like your mixers are good to go. Um, and, you know, I want you to be able to commit to a mix, commit to what you've done, and then let it be and let me do my thing. And then it's great, like 99% of the time. So that's probably the last thing. It's not so much pet peeves, more of like I want my mixers to be more confident. So it's not, it doesn't really impact me. Uh, it's more of an observation I've seen over the last like seven years, which is like mixers commit to your mix, be proud of it. And if there's something bugging you, change it. You're allowed to change it. And don't let always like a mastering engineer speak into your mix stage because most mastering engineers are not mixers. So they may start telling you things based on a heavily biased opinion of mastering that actually isn't the solution to the mix issue you have. So mm-hmm. um, so that's my last thing. Kind of a pet peeve, more of a uh, something to chew on your way home. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I'm done. Well, there you go. So, in the background, if you hear a sweet beat kind of, you know, sneak it its way out of the, the nethers of the background <laughs> of the podcast, it was made by Sam, and it probably sounds really awesome. Every single uh, intro and outro is handcrafted and loved by the one and only Sam Moses. Small batch. All 80-some-odd of them, which is just mind-blowing. So, thank you for doing that. You're welcome. If you'd like to check those out, it's over at beesbeats.com. And it's like pizza, but drop the P and add a B. Pizza. Pizza beats. If you want some sweet merch, go over to theattackandreleashow.com and snag yourself some merch. If you wouldn't mind, if you liked what we said, which you probably wouldn't because it's a whole mastering that piece podcast. <laughs> I probably pissed a bunch of you off. I'm going to get a little one, a few little one stars, but whatever. Ain't going to stop us. Uh, if you can, if you liked what we said, though, please head on over to. Uh, wherever you're listening to this and scroll to the bottom, scroll to the top, wherever you can leave a review and uh, like, comment, share, whatever people do. Um, More importantly than everything, the most important part of that one was please share this with a friend. So this podcast has seriously been by word of mouth in our own um, less than tasteful marketing (laughs) on our own personal Instagram pages. So we couldn't be more thankful for that. So thank you very much. Anywho, uh, adding to the end of this, if uh, we can, uh, you know, go ahead and cue up that music as we yeah. head out. And morning, afternoon, even, whatever you're having, have a darn good one. So we'll see y'all in the next episode. Bye. See ya. Bye.